0: everybody, Jacob here from the Formula Drift podcast. We have an awesome deal for you. So if you head over to shopfd.com and use coupon code podcast23, you're going to save 20% on any merch. So anything you can find on that website, use podcast23 at shopfd.com. Save yourself 20%. Hats, shirts, lanyards, wh- whatever. Just use the code. Save yourself some money. So why not? You know, don't, don't stop listening. Wait till the show's done. But then head over shopfd.com. Use podcast 23. We'll see you guys out there. All right, everybody. We are back here for the official Formula Drift podcast. I have the Beast from the Bay, which, I i mean, we can get into that, but it's, it's Matt Field anyways, if you didn't know. <clears throat> oh, what, how did that get, like, how did that start? Because you were, you had another nickname. You were MoFo before that. <laughs> that was like uh, my AOL screen name, Okay, you
1: know? Okay. Yeah, the MoFo. And, my initials are MF, you know, motherfucker, Matt Field, right? Like it, yeah, exactly. It just all worked, especially when you're a punk little kid, it was like the coolest thing ever. Uh, And then that just transitioned to it. But yeah, it was, um, I'm very fortunate that, I do have a good nickname. There's a lot of drivers out there who have really terrible ones. And I, I couldn't even imagine man. Yeah.
0: Beast in the Bay is really, sucks. it's really not that bad. All things considered. I, I know there's definitely people that, that have worse than I that. I mean, I, th- I love it to be honest, but I just have to make sure that you, I am a beast.
1: That's the thing. Like a beast in all aspects of life on the track, health, wellness, fitness on, on, out to people, friends, family, everything. I try to be the best person I possibly can and living up to that. That nickname is definitely part of it.
0: Yeah. I it's, it's funny you mentioned the fitness thing. because I, I I've i kind of noticed that in the last couple of years that's been like a huge focus for you. Like, I think yeah. I think that's something that maybe like in drifting isn't taken as seriously as other motorsports. And, and I'm not sure why because it's not as much endurance. People think. I think with drifting, it's
1: so grassroots that you still have people managing their own programs, working on their own cars. Like they're they're the car, they're the crew chief, they're the car chief, they're the driver. Yeah, and it really. Man, if you want to work out and take ser- fitness serious, you got to wake up at 6 a.m. every yeah. day. that's just it. There, there is no ifs ands or buts. And then, if you have a regular job, you got about you got to wake up earlier than that. So, for me, it was having to find the time to. Wake up in the morning, which means that you can't be working at the shop until 1 a.m., right? You just have to kind of like get in your groove. You got to leave at a reasonable time. You got to eat a decently healthy dinner. You have to get a good amount of sleep. Then you wake up at 6 a.m. and you do it all over again. You go to the gym, you go to the work, you do your, it's just the routine. Finding, yeah, but finding that initially was extremely hard. And even me, I didn't have time for that. There was just no way. But once I kind of had somebody who was on my team full-time to focus on my program, that really changed everything. Because then I'm like, all right, I can leave at seven o'clock because I know the work's going to get done. I know Alec is going to do his thing. He's got my back. If he needs to stay late so that I go home, he will do that, right? So, once I took that step, I was able to kind of take Fitness serious and wake up at 6
0: a.m. and I literally wake up at 6 a.m. every day. Cause, yeah, because you, I mean, you've juggled a crazy schedule for a long time. Like at, at one point in time, doing uh, university at at the same time, literally taking a golf cart from the shop to class, come back. <laughs> like, like you're right there. You you like there there was no sleep, right? No, definitely. And I
1: used to take the golf cart because then I didn't have to pay for parking. Exactly. Cuz I had no freaking money to pay for college parking. It's the biggest scam in oh, the world, dude. college parking, right? <laughs> like these poor college kids. I'm just fortunate I either rode my pit bike or drove my golf cart yeah. from the shop, yeah, to to class, parked it right in front. <laughs> Everyone was looking at me like I'm an absolute idiot, but I mean, I wasn't I wasn't paying for parking, so it was cool. <laughs> but that was the hardest time of my life, honestly. Really? Like, going to college, running the business, having a girlfriend, And still trying to go racing professionally was the hardest time. And I I didn't sleep. You're right. But that's back then. I didn't have any time to sleep. I probably couldn't even afford a gym membership anyways.
0: (laughs) You were you like skinny at that point just because like I don't have time to eat, I don't have money for food. Yes, like
1: Yes. Yeah, yes, exactly. I was the epitome of the broke drift kid, scummy, like didn't get enough sleep, bags yeah. under the <laughs> eyes, didn't care about <laughs> nutrition. Yeah, just went and
0: did life as good as I possibly could. I that's I mean, that's good though. I think that's the part that we're missing, and and like definitely the stories that I want to get into with this podcast, because like it's so mm. easy to look at where I mean, you are, or any of these drivers are at this point, uh, especially, you know, I would consider you kind of like the second gen generation of drivers, right? Like, mm. cause you've been what, 10, 11 years now?
1: Yeah. I think it's like 11 going on 12 now. Right?
0: So yep. you guys are now at this point where it's like, okay, thirties, some guys late thirties, early forties kind of thing, but it's like, okay, we're. We're through the 20s thing. We talked about this just before the show. Like, we're both kind of happy to be done with the 20s. And, like, yes, not that we have it figured out. I don't think we ever figure it out. You just kind of, like, get better at covering that up. But, like, <laughs> yes, yeah. it's, it's, just, it's just a little well, more. When you learn, yeah. definitely, you don't do the same dumb shit you did before. That's for sure. Yeah, you don't do that, the no sleep and ramen diet because you realize it's, <laughs> yes. it's just not sustainable anymore. <laughs> so, that's, I mean, it's good. I'm glad because, like, the, the Drift Cave itself has gone through... Uh, what two locations. It's been a bit yep, and we're like, on our third now. Yeah, third yep. location now, right. and and ever expanding. So
1: that's... And I, I need more room and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's the next step too for the race program because as the race program continues to get bigger and bigger, there's more cars, there's more FD pros that we're taking care of. So that's the next step is kind of figuring out what's going to house all that because I have my big rig parked on the side of the shop, which it has no business being parked <laughs> there in a fire lane. <laughs> like the fire department absolutely hates me. <laughs> Morgan Hill PD hates me when I leave the big rig on the street. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, I got to figure out the next step to house, you know, maybe a Second
0: big rig or a third, or who knows? like the drift game's kind of been like the home for international drivers, though. Like, the first one would (laughs) have been what Charles Ng would have been one of the first guys. We worked with Charles and um uh Katya, right?
1: Like the Russian drifter, yeah, she's still doing things, but she's like living in Miami now. Her we still have her car in storage, oh wow, she doesn't know what she wants to do with it, but yeah, we've definitely worked with a lot of international drivers. We make a joke for like we'll only work with international drivers on the race team. Like, unless you're international, we don't want to deal with you because the people who are here in the U.S. are the people who will be like, hey, I'm going to stop by, or could we talk about this? Like, the international people are like, I trust you with my life, Matt. I'll see you at the racetrack.
0: Yeah, and, like, anybody who owns a shop, that five-minute stop-in is, like, the worst. Because, like, I have a friend of mine who's a shop owner, too, and, like, I feel bad stopping by and, like, hanging out because I know as a business owner as well, I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this. Like I'm wasting your time. You should be, you know, swapping (laughs) head gaskets or something. Like you can't. So that yeah, that's interesting. It's a good way of thinking about it. Like from a business aspect, it's it's an interesting way. I love it. it.
1: And don't get me wrong, it's not like if somebody
0: needed something,
1: I would turn them away just because they're a domestic driver. It just so happens that it works out that we've worked with a lot of international drivers. And I think for me too coming from driving all over the world. It's once COVID hit and I'm kind of happy because I don't have to do five trips to China or six trips to China anymore. And I was traveling so much and I, I loved it. I loved every minute of it, but I'm very fortunate that now I have enough here to keep me in the U.S. for good reason. So I don't have to take that 18 hour flight because there was times where I would get home from an FD round, wash my suit, pack my bag, leave a day and a half later, takes two days to fly to China, be on track for three days, basically fly home, wash my suit, pack my bag, and fly to the next FD round. And I did that for three or four years, so I'm definitely like over it a little bit. But that's really what brought a lot of these international drivers. I think I, I met a lot of them, which turned into customers, and you know they see me traveling international, so they know that I'm kind of open to yeah. negotiations, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's a good way of
0: putting it. It's just, just international business at that point in time. Being everywhere, yeah, at all times, yeah, and and, I mean, I, 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 I like I'd have to chart it to like figure out when you stopped doing that, and then like the the stall in your success in FD, because like like in the beginning you had like these crazy breakthrough moments, and then it kind of flattened out for a number of years, whether that's like through funding or just program stuff, and then. You know, I mean, uh, realistically, the the I, I the, the benchmark for me is like the Gears of War S chassis. Like when that livery came yeah. out, that was it. That was it was a new Matt field from that point forward. So, I don't know if that I lines up. I think that's also the, when
1: that's also when I started doing international driving. I mean. I hate to say it, but no one's getting invited anywhere if you're getting knocked out in top 32 right. and you're placing 28th in the championship, right? Yeah. But once you, yeah, you win around, you start winning some battles, you beat some big dogs, then all of a sudden they're like, who is this person? And I would like to have that person drive with my gr- grassroots event. So I get invited to this. And it it's been a, definitely been a journey for sure. And I can't believe sometimes where drifting has taken me in in this entire world and where it's put me now. And now we're, you know, operating at some trying to be at the highest level of the highest level of professional drifting in the US and taking care of multiple programs. And yeah, we started just for
0: building S chassis in my parents backyard. That's, that's crazy. Like what a good, what a good story. I mean, that's, that's, like I said, this is the part that, that so many people are missing. I think that's, it's, especially with kind of the culture of like, oh, I'm getting into drifting. I'm just going to build a full pro car because why not? Right. And it's like, well, hang on. One, for the driving side of it, that's maybe not the best idea. Budgetarily, it's definitely not a great idea. Definitely not. Yeah, I mean, exactly. if you can sustain it, don't get me wrong, by all means. If you, for if sure, you've do. The numbers, yeah, do whatever
1: you want. Yeah, 100%. <laughs>
0: We've all, anybody, any, I, I've said this for so long. I'm like, if you get mad at people that have money because you're like, oh, they should do this. And it's like, listen, if we had that money, we would be doing the exact same thing. Worse, yeah, 100%. Worse, dumber, dumber stuff. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like, hopefully, their parents taught them some more like financial responsibility. Cause I know if I, if I was given that amount of money early on and just like was told, okay, yeah, this is fine, I don't know if I'd be here. I would have crashed some ridiculous car already. (laughs) Well, yeah. And you know, I think it's very good for the sport. We we need
1: all walks of life, yeah. right? We need the the grassroots people who are finding their way. We need the people who are coming into the sport and bringing money and bringing potential a totally different set of sponsors. Right. And it, it's good. We we need as much diversity in the sport as we possibly can.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we just we need uh, in general we need more money in drifting as a whole. Yeah. It's it's definitely yeah for for the for the expense. Like it's it's not a, it's not a high expense in the grand scheme of a lot of motorsports, but like the actual ratio of Sponsorship to, to expense expenses still not great. Um, it's I think you could spend as much money as you want though drifting, that's a good point.
1: and it's it's a perfect. At the end of the day, you know a, a grassroots rookie guy is still on the same track as and I, it's a perfect example RTR yeah. right because that really is possibly like the largest budget yeah. in drifting for sure, and, and Vaughn has just shaped his program beautifully. To the fact that he's able to bring that kind of program to FD, so I think we just need more programs like Vaughn's, and then it it's it's going to help the grassroots guys land a seat, mm-hmm. right? We, if you think about it, it's so tough. What seats are there for people? Even if you're the best, baddest driver ever, yeah. trying to find a seat on a team is near impossible. There's just not enough of them.
0: Yeah, and we need more big teams like RTR to to fill those the needs. Is this is this like is this you just like hinting? This is what you're going to do? Is like just start. <laughs> To be like the to be team honest, team?
1: my dream, yeah. my dream. I want to be uh, the Pensky of Ooh, Formula Drift. Yeah. That's that's it. That's my goals. I've even been talking to Formula Drift, like Ryan and and Jim, about it, and telling them that's my goal. That's what I want to do. I don't want to drive forever. Yeah, even if I could, I don't want to. I don't want to drive for in. 20 years, I don't want to be doing FD, right? I want to be still involved, but I want to be involved on the back end where I have the baddest, hottest rookies in my own cars that are factory supported with multiple big rigs showing up with shock dynos and spare engine packages and all the baddest shit on multiple rigs. And we show up and one of my drivers is more than likely going to win.
0: That's my big dream. That's, that's pretty sick. Do you have like a timeline for that? Like, being a being a business person, I know right. you, I know you plotted this out.
1: <laughs> I like to think where I started ten years ago to where I am now is leaps and bounds, right. and I basically did it with um, you know the, the support of the people around me and, and sponsor dollars, not like an angel investor or yep. rich parents or something like that. So there's no reason why within ten years that's not a possibility. I think.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, I'm sure you've, you've done like year over year percentage growth and been like, okay, if we're here at this point, five years, I should be here. Like, you know, gotta, gotta put that degree to to work. It's so tough though, (laughs) the year after year, because some years you
1: kill it and then you just have this new sponsor that just is so pumped and then they're in and out in two or three years. You know, I try my best to maintain them. And I've had most of my partners have been with me since day one. Yeah. Uh, But you know, stuff comes and goes. So it's so difficult. You, you had CX forever, right? Like that was forever, dude, yeah. so long. And with that, I just outgrew them. You know, yeah. it was, that's all it was. I still, to this day, Kevin, the owner, I'm still good friends with him. I, I appreciate him. We still buy parts from CX through the shop. Nice. And we still have our, our dealer account with them that we got basically set up through our sponsorship with them. But we just started using less and less of their parts and getting partners with, you know, larger engine builders yeah. and people like Vortech and, you know, these companies that are not, uh, specifically like turbo kit oriented, like CX was. So
0: yeah, it's kind of outgroomed. And, and I mean, you've always kind of wanted that supercharger V8 sound. Like I, I think there was an interview you did. Oh man, it would have been a while ago. He basically just said like, I don't like the turbo. I don't like that. It mutes it. I want <laughs> it to be loud. Like I want it to, be, to be loud.
1: And it is, yep. it's,
0: it's incredibly loud. Like it's,
1: that's what I'm all to me. A perfect example of is Dijero's car, right? right? That thing was so well built, such a sick engine, super sick turbo setup. Mm-hmm. It was just quiet, yeah, right. Like he could hear my car with him driving when
0: I was following him, you know. And I don't want that. I don't want to hear anybody else's car when I'm driving. I want to look ahead. At least, at least you guys. At least you're not doing like the turn down as much because like that's always been my frustration with, like, Odie's car, which is, like, don't get me wrong, it's incredible, but as somebody who comes from the media side of things, you'd see Odie come across, <laughs> like, oh, here we go, like, earplugs in, like, make sure, because uh, it's, it's something about, yeah, like, the titanium... His car's loud. The titanium exhaust and, the, and, like, the downturn to the ground, that combination is blown eardrums every time. And Odie's car is two-to-one, right?
1: So it's a single-exit exhaust. Right. And on the vet, it has an X-pipe, but vets are always dual exhaust, and the, the great thing about my exhaust... Which is so funny because it's literally an off-the-shelf Borla exhaust. No way. Like, you can buy it for your C6-Z06. The only thing that I did was instead of running it down and running to a muffler, I just put a turn down. Okay. That's it. Other than that, the bends are the same. And that's what's super cool about the Corvette. You People make things for them. Yeah. People make things that bolt in. The headers, off-the-shelf Borla exhaust, the X-pipe, all that stuff just fits. Where you build an S-chassis with an LS, you're building everything. literally everything, right? So, yeah, I was very excited because Borla came on when we built the C6 initially. And I was so excited not to build an exhaust because I'm a fabricator, right? We build exhaust at the shop and I know how much time goes into it. I'm like, all right, if I have to build headers and this and this, like that's a week and a half of my life that I just got back Yeah, (laughs) because
0: Borla makes it. Exhaust works is is one of those things too, where you think you have it all and you're you're good, you got the hanger set and you're like, okay, I got everything. And then you take the jack down, it drops just that half inch too far and you're like, uh, okay. Or you weld it and then all of a sudden it doesn't fit exactly the same, yeah. (laughs) Part of yeah, it. <laughs> the clamps don't want to fit on, and you're just like struggling. Yeah. It like it's gonna fit, yeah. it's gonna fit. I'm just gonna heat this up a part little, and <laughs> <laughs> that that's good. So, what is it? Was that part of the like the transition from the S chassis Because you ran that S chassis forever. Like, was that part of of that transition to the Corvette, or is it like because you were a pretty early adopter to it in the grand scheme of of it? So there's a there was a lot that hadn't been figured out yet. Um, I don't believe the quick change setups were as readily available at that point. And then it was that conversation of like, okay, how do we get a rear diff in? Can we, can we do run Hmm. a rear diff? What's Kevin going to say? How do I get a transmission there? Cause there's not a lot of room. Like what, what was that whole, I guess, discussion like before even going into the vet?
1: I was fully determined that I needed to build a new car. The S14 had ran... 9 years or 8 years or whatever. Right? It was like the longest it's the longest running chassis that still shows up, right? Like that that car has ran every year since 2012. Yeah. Basically. Um crazy to Just think that. wild. Yeah. And it's it's definitely a balled up paper that has been straightened out on your knee a couple of times. Yeah. So but it was always contingent on the suspension. That's the thing. Uh, oh. I work for Park Shot Max and I've worked part with Park Shot Max almost since I started drifting, right? And I wanted to, I never wanted to have to fabricate my own arms and my own knuckles because I know myself and I'm going to crash and I'm going to run into people and I'm going to bend stuff. And I can't physically keep up with the demand of having to make all four corners of knuckles and suspension and all of that. It's just, it's illogical for me and trying to operate the program that I'm trying to operate. And it's precision
0: work. Like it's, it is, it's precision work. So
1: time consuming. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, and it's not bash bars. Yeah, one, I don't have the, exactly. I don't have the tooling to do it proper 10 out of 10. So I would be at best like seven or eight out of 10 and it just <laughs> wouldn't be right. So, um Part shot Max and me both decided we're like, all right, you put an LS in everything. You're an LS guy. We get it, Matt. So why not just have a car that already has an LS? And I'm like, I'm not into Camaros.
0: Not not about <laughs> First it. First thing definitely you go not.
1: to, and no Camaros. Yeah, not into Camaros. Historically, definitely
0: not. haven't done well in FD. So I get I get the sentiment.
1: <laughs> I'm sure they could for sure, but like everything, right? You have to have the team behind you. Yeah these people who had Camaros didn't really have some, uh, they didn't have a CAD engineer developing and and testing models and 3D printing knuckles and putting them on the car and cycling through suspension and measuring Ackerman. They just didn't have that. Right. So when we started building the Corvette part shop, max has just hired their CAD engineer, Chris. And that was like the deciding factor for me. I'm like, all right, we have a CAD guy who knows way more about this stuff than I ever will. We, have the idea that the Corvette is going to be awesome, but I don't know anything about transaxles and this and that. And I don't know anything about double wishbone. I don't know how they drive. I don't know anything about any of those things, but we t- kind of took a leap of faith. And, and to be honest, the reason why I bought that car, and I bought a flood damaged uh, C6 from the East Coast. Okay. Um, with the owner of part shop, Max Money. He he came into the shop and we had a meeting and he brought me a stack of freaking cash. Yeah. A stack of like 20s and 100s, right? And he said, I just sold my toy hauler so that we can buy you a C6 Corvette. Damn. Because I was also, back in the day, I, I didn't have a lot of partners, like, and the partners that I did were great, but it wasn't the program that we're wasn't operating that now. Wasn't that Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't going to yeah, buy yeah, a was Corvette it. cash money. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely didn't have that kind of money laying around, and then let alone You know, buy the sequential gearbox and the quick change diff and billet knuckles and, you know, three way shocks. I definitely didn't have that money. So the owner of Part Shop Max kind of pushed me into it. Now he's just like, you have no excuse. Go find a car, buy it. Because it's also like, can we do this? Can I get it done in in the amount of time? (laughs) Do we have the skills to do this? There's a lot of figuring out, am I ready to do that? There's a lot of figuring out on the driving side of things. Am I ready to do that? But looking back at it, I'm so. Glad that we decided to make the change because I feel like it's really changed my career and changed my life.
0: Yeah, now you're like all in on the Vets. Like they're they're. Everywhere. I am the Chevy Vet guy. Yeah, <laughs> they're, definitely. They're everywhere. The guy.
1: Yeah, and now if you look at it, I I I don't want to toot my own horn by any means, yeah, yeah. but if it. you look back, the Corvette is now just a standard drift car. Yeah. It's like all right, you got a two hundred and forty, uh, e thirty six, and a Corvette. Yeah, that's that's what you got. You know, that's the the cars. Those are the options when. You have a 15-year-old kid who's drawing in his notebook at school what his dream car is going to be, his first drift car. It might be a C5, and
0: and that's crazy to think. And you know, before we built our car, that was just not a thing. Yeah, I can't I can't really think of of anybody. I mean, obviously, there's guys that are going to be out there. There's there's guys at local events. Oh, like I'm sure someone's going to leave a comment. And be like I mean, oh, this Dirk guy had yeah, Dirk yeah yeah
1: Dirk had his car before, but right. it was I mean that thing was like a stock vet with some chopped knuckles, he, dude, and he was out. Getting it. Dude, he had, <laughs> I remember he <laughs> had
0: power windows and like full, like, I think at one point he was a th- grid life with AC. I think he still does. I think he still he, does. Like, <laughs> probably does. <laughs> I think he had AC at one grid life, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I was like, dude, really? He's like, it's fine. It runs, it drives, it makes, <laughs> makes jams. So why not? And I'm like, okay.
1: And that's the beautiful thing about the Corvette. It does what it's supposed to do from the factory, yeah. and then we just make it a little bit better. It's not like we're taking an economy car and trying to make it do sports car things.
0: Yeah, you're not. You're not. You know, Papa Dacas Corolla, that shit. Like it's just no. This is this is a sports car. So I'm just making sure. Even I can a step 240. Up. Yeah.
1: Even a 240, right? Like that was an economy car. <laughs>
0: yeah, which is wild to think. Like wild Crazy. to think. Like my aunt had one too. Like I remember seeing old photos and stuff. And like I'm looking back, I'm like, do you have any idea what just the chassis of that car is worth right now? Like they're still like eight grand, nine grand for just like rolling chassis. And it's like, don't get me wrong, I'm sure I've never driven one. I'm sure they're incredible cars, but like what are they I know, I know. you never driven an S-chassis and you're doing a drift podcast? we got to change this man's (laughs) life right now. Come on, somebody listening has to let Jacob Uh,
1: drive their 240. I've I've
0: made two things clear in my time on the internet and my public persona. I'm not a great wrench and I'm not a great driver. I can do both of those things, (laughs) but I'm not the guy you call if your car breaks down. If you're in my town, you might call me. Other than that, I'm probably oh. not the guy. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's uh, yeah. I I make no no qualms about that one. But uh, <laughs> cool. So art you you mentioned talk, like getting into a new shop. Are you would you still stick in the Bay Area? Like it it is not cheap to be there. Like that's that's a tough call,
1: right? Yeah. So I, this way I look at it. If I can make it in the Bay Area, I'm doing just fine, and I can make it anywhere. Yeah. When I'm done with the bay area hopefully i can bring that type of income yep. with me wherever i go but till then i really enjoy it here my family's here my parents just bought a house with some property like right next to my shop oh, or very very close cool. in my town because they wanted it to be close with me my wife and i are starting to try having a kid oh, so dude, congrats having them like Around is also very important. So yeah. I think for me, the the positives outweigh the negatives, and I'll just try to figure out how to make more money and just
0: keep plucking away. So sometimes having you know that like your back up against the wall that way, like it it drives you to work that much harder or, or figure out new sure. holes or whatever you have to do to to make it work, right? For sure. When we were, when we were kids, we were paying way
1: too much for shop rent, but we found a way. I rented out the front office to somebody who just literally had it to come after hours and party with his friends. I rented (laughs) out another room that we turned into a bedroom. I would rent out back, back alley parking because I had like a a back lot that was gated. Whatever we possibly could do, I would renting it out to make the rent cheaper. And it's just where there's a will, there's a way.
0: Yeah. And, and you've, as you said, like you've been Bay area like since day one, right? Born and raised, yeah. Right. That's why I am the beast from the bay. <laughs> and and if I if I if my research is correct, and hopefully I don't have to fire the interns, uh, your dad was into racing as well, right? Like you started racing really early.
1: Yeah. So my dad now races a class eight desert truck. Oh shit. <laughs> uh, which is like um you got trophy trucks, yes. spec trophy truck, and then the class eights, which were like the baddest shit in the 80s, yeah. right? And my dad basically built this thing. I mean, he's been racing that truck for like 30 years or something like that. It's pretty impressive. And I have been around racing through my dad, my whole life. My dad used to do like mud bog racing, okay. like, you know, drag racing on mud, yeah. you know, that's what he did before for fun. And then he did off-road racing. Uh, but my dad, it, it works for a facilities company. He's a vice, pres- vice president of a facilities company. Oh, cool. So he's been a suit like his whole life. Yeah. So racing was always a hobby for him. Yeah. Um, so he asked me, like, hey, do you want to do this? And I, he put me in a little quarter midget, which is like a tiny little sprint car that you go around in a circle. And I did that for a little while. And then I was able to hop in the desert truck with him when I was really young by like signing waivers and telling people <laughs> I was 14 or however Booster that works. You know, and lifts
0: in your shoes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Especially my dad. My dad's a six foot monster. And I was like a little tiny kid my whole life dra- driving his race truck. And I just made it work. That's you know, funny. left my belts loose and slid down. And yeah, it was, it was awesome. So, for me, having that with my dad is like the greatest thing ever. You know, my dad comes over and will still help me wrench on things. He'll build engines for me or for my customers and helps me be re- rebuild rear ends and gearboxes and taught me so much about cars and fabrication and racing that it's I- I'm I'm one of the lucky few.
0: Yeah, and and I mean it's it's definitely a different like way of growing up too, right? Like all your friends are spending sure. their weekends at, at Happy Hollow Zoo and you're out at Alameda Speedway, so it's like a completely <laughs> different upbringing, right? <laughs> Man, my earliest memories, and I tell
1: my, my <laughs> parents this, is... The smell of cigarette smoke, (laughs) the ding-a-ling-a-ling of slot machines, and the bright lights of a casino, and the terrible patterns that are on all casino floors, because most of desert racing, which is what my dad does, is all in Nevada, Right. right? So when we would head to northern Nevada and Vegas and all this, I just remember being a kid, being walking through the casino, holding my dad's hand, and just being like... Wow, just seeing these old ladies chiefing on heaters, and it was just <laughs> the funniest thing. So I, I when I walk into a casino, everyone's
0: just like, oh, cigarette smoke. And I'm just like, smells like childhood. Oh, it was great. It's it's so, yeah. it's so I very similar core memory unlocked on my end. My my grandfather like chain smoked a particular brand of cigarettes. <laughs> but like I'd always hang out in the garage with them. Huge racing fan. Like that's what awesome. you know, and and he used to be uh he did photography had racetracks and stuff. Like, so I remember like Every time somebody he was a cool dude, super cool, sure. dude, incredible. Yeah, every time somebody lights up a John Player cigarette, that first oh. pull, I, I could be a hundred feet away and I'm like, I know exactly <laughs> what cigarette that is. Like, every time, and it, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's like, it, yeah. it's not a memory tr- yeah. smells. Yeah,
1: that's what they sell. That's what they say, right? Yeah. Smells trigger memory so much, and yeah, it's one of my earliest memories. Okay, so, going racing with my dad.
0: Speaking of, do you have a tire, either a tire that you've run or not run, that you enjoy the smell of the most? Because they all smell very different. Yeah, definitely.
1: So I've been with Falcon for so many years that that tire to me is just a normal smelling tire, right? right? smells good, doesn't smell bad, doesn't smell different. It's just like that's what the smell of going racing is, you know? But there's definitely been some tires that I – think is that thing stinks man or that thing's unpleasant for sure the achilles were really sharp like i remember them the one two threes were like they were kind of they made a smell yeah yeah and then yep for sure and there's so much smoke too back in the day like no one was making smoke
0: like achilles was making smoke yeah and i remember i think it was the maxis that almost smelled like earl gray tea Cause that was one of my, what? yeah. When it, <laughs> I ran, I ran those tires, but I didn't have enough power to make smoke. So i probably don't even remember. <laughs> I just remember like the first time I ever met Turek was at grid life and he had the, the white, the, the white FRS and, or BRZ or whatever, you know, numbered letter combination we're going to throw at it. Yeah. And I, I, it was one of the first times I experienced drifting like in person, and I remember that car going by and like it smelled like Earl Grey tea, and it could it could be something completely different. But I just <laughs> yeah the fuel he ran or whatever. Yeah, but. yeah, exactly. It's just it was just one of those things. And then working in working in FD Media for a while, like I remember all the the media guys being like, "Oh, I know what car that is either by the sound or the smell of the tires." So that's why I like. You guys definitely weigh more than us because we have so.
1: When we're at FD, like that's the last thing that we're thinking of is like what what your boys' tires (laughs) smell like, you know? But yeah, being in the media pit and literally getting pelted the entire day, I'm sure that's a. That's a different type of smell, too. Yeah. What you guys get to experience hanging in the
0: air. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, also a bunch of like media people crammed into a tiny pit that has a whole smell to itself. But we don't have to get. That's probably not a very good smell. Pretty, yeah, especially in in Orlando. Ugh, dude, yeah. don't even. Don't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. So tracks. So we're on tracks. So this is easy. Easy. Oh, one track. Favorite track. Past, present. What? What? Like, if you have to run one. Long the rest Beach. Hundred percent. Like, really. Long Beach. Yeah. Really. Is that just because it's like a pinball machine? It's so difficult. Like the the crowd, like what is it? I, it separates the men from the boys.
1: Yeah. For sure. And it's basically you fully commit and you're a hundred percent in or you've crashed or you're in the middle of the track and you look stupid. So like Long Beach, if you are not touching all of the walls and on throttle the entire time. You, yeah, because you're mid-pack to bottom of the pack at best. And it's it's crazy to see over the years how many people have stepped up and people have stopped checking up on the handbrake in zone two. People have like really filled every single zone. And like, to me, that's what it's all about. Bumper on the wall, on the throttle, Get off the freaking handbrake and stand on the throttle. That's like my style of driving. That's what I try my absolute best to achieve at, at, at every track. Yeah, but but Long one. Beach really just rewards it. It, it rewards it. And a, a perfect example is Orlando, right? We we're just talking about Orlando. Everyone is on throttle. People are not, tra- not handbraking through the transition. Yeah. It looks exciting. But the difference from... The number four qualifier to the number 28 qualifier is like this much. Yeah. Man, like this much. But at Long Beach, the difference is huge. You can tell you're like, that guy's scared and that guy's not.
0: Yeah. And and it's it's it definitely like it being the first event of the year, like there's just yep. something about it where it's like, you know, you're a little rusty, you're a little tired, maybe, cars car hasn't really been checked. And like next thing you yep. know, there, there's no runoff. There's nothing.
1: Yeah. That's why first lap out, you got to put your bumper on the wall get the scratches over with and get on with your
0: life. Yeah. Also like probably the best profile picture of you is like you like S Jassy into that, into that transition bill, like just kind of standing back. Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) With Pac-Man going flying. Yeah. Yeah. Are are we bringing Pac-Man back? Like, is that, are you like, no, that was just a
1: time in my life where I could do whatever the hell that I wanted. So I did, you know, and I was, uh, sponsored by like a, um, instead of a coin op video thing it was like uh, all in one okay. where you cu- it comes with like 500 games and I was sponsored by this video game company that I had it on my wing and I just like, I'm going full video game and like, I'm a Pac-Man fan, I'm a Sonic fan, I'm a Mario fan, you know, I like all the all the old school games I'm all about. So I just said, you know what, screw it, we're doing it. And all those end plates were handmade by my spotter, Chow, <laughs> and we put so much time into it. It was just like a thing that we did, you know, because I could do whatever the hell I wanted back then.
0: Yeah. I, I, it's it's funny you mention that because like you've always, I mean, I don't know what your your financials, your program's like. I mean, you don't have to divulge any of that stuff, but like you've always been Creative on the sponsorship end of things, and and I I I would owe a lot of your longevity in the sport to that, like for sure, like it, the like Heat Wave, like I mean, for 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 new fans, people don't realize that the the Matt Field sunglasses is a thing. Like, matching sunglasses <laughs> to your car is a thing. Car, yeah, yeah that yeah. was it. Neon yellow car, neon Man. yellow sunglasses. Like, that's what you that have to do. That was it.
1: That's what I did. Exactly. Yeah. And then, but back then, my driving didn't speak for itself, so I had to be somebody else other than another guy in an S chassis. Right. I had to.
0: Which, yeah. which, like, comes down to deliveries. Like, you had some of the coolest liveries in FD. I, you and Alec Honnendale are, like, when I think of, like, awesome-looking liveries. So that's why oh. I'm not happy about the Falcon thing. But I'm excited that you have a little bit of freedom to bring back a sick livery.
1: Man, you sound exactly like my designer, Factory 83. Ian <laughs> Dillon has been working on doing my decks, merch, um liveries, like all all of the design work. He even my Falcon suits, he would do the design because okay. I would tell him these are the sponsors, this is a level of importance, like figure out where they go. You know? Did- and he's been doing that stuff since day one. And he's done literally pretty much all of my liveries other than like the CX one because that was like a CX team. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. What, yep. He What Is that the same guy who did Alex as well? I'm not sure. He's done so many liveries like uh Olsen's and man, it there is, was a time. then, yes. Because yeah, if he did Simon's yeah, yeah, yeah. then
0: he did Alex. That's so funny. Yeah. So, like I didn't realize was I, was a time a, I was a fan of this guy until now. <laughs>
1: He had like I don't know, say ten liveries out there, like, and he had some of the most iconic liveries in Formula Drift. You know, when everyone was a hot boy back then, yeah. Before before cor- life was corporate, and he's actually working on the new livery for me this year. It's got to be so hot. I'm boy. pretty pumped about I'm,
0: that. I'm I'm not gonna lie, we'll have a stern talking. You know, to I, you I if described
1: not. to him. I told him I want hot boy but c- corporate guy is number 1 and then hot boy might be like number 3 on the list but it's on the list you okay. know but i want it to be i want it to be corporate because i i want to have the look where other corporate companies look and they're like, I want to work with that guy right. because he does, he gets it. He does corporate, but it's still going to be sick. Don't get
0: me wrong. Okay. It's going to be awesome. I'm holding it to yeah. a high standard. I mean, I'm, I, I if you want to <laughs> send me renderings after this, I won't be mad, but I'm just saying <laughs> like, it, it just, it's it just, I, I, once again, like the Falcon thing is, is incredible. And then obviously very sad, but like, it just opens, it opens an opportunity as we talked about, like having your back against the wall. work trying to work out of the Bay area. Uh, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I mean, we might as well get into it. Like what's what's that? What can you, can you tell me what happened or when you found out?
1: Right. So you guys all found out like Wednesday, I think we found out the Friday before. Okay. Right. So, you know, four days or five days before that, uh, we were at
0: winter jam. There were rumors before that though.
1: Like float. There's been talk every year. Okay. Every year, it's been the same thing. We're 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 trying to make it work. They're threatening to full, pull funding, right. but we we found the budget. The budget's the same. The budget's the same. The budget's the same. I've been hearing that for like three years now, and it was great. I'm like, if we can keep doing what we're doing and going racing, and it was such a good support. Like you have no idea. I never worry about my tires showing up to the track. I never worry about my tires getting mounted or not mounted or are you going to do that guy's first or this guy me Uh, last. Like, it just, everything got done, right? It was our ride to grid life. It was just such a big safety net where I I don't want to say I was comfortable because you're always looking over your shoulder like, I could get cut from Falcon if I have a bad year or something because they, you know, they need you to perform too. But it was also a place where, and I I told the story, I planned on my final Irwindale, my final year, hanging up my teal and blue suit on my rack yeah. and saying, "Thank you, Falcon, for an amazing career. I am now done with drifting. Life goes on. Now I'm going to be Mr. Penske. Right. right? And that, but that was my plan. Yeah. Was hanging up a teal and blue suit, and that all came crashing down. Um, you know, four days or five days before you guys found out, and it was. It's like your girlfriend broke up with you, right? Like that's the first initial feeling. But then I also had this feeling. I'm like, I think things are going to work out. And I think for me, out of any time in my entire career that it could have happened, it couldn't have happened at a better time for me. Yeah. Coming off of like the best season. I mean, one of the hardest seasons. The last two best seasons of my career yeah. where it wasn't just like a, an accidental year no. or, a, or a, you got lucky. Like we have now proved ourselves that we are forced to be reckoned with. And I'd like to think that we are a pretty hot commodity in the, in the tire world <laughs> of drivers that are available and new companies that are coming in and all of that. So I, I felt like It'll all work out for me. That's that was my okay. my first thought was the fuck am I gonna do? <laughs> I need to now find all of this because it's two things, right? I had to find a title
0: and tire sponsor. Yeah, because it's it's more than yeah. just more than just tires it's yep. support and and I, I, I'm guessing it's a pretty safe guess, but financial contributions and maybe c- yep. covering some certain parts of logistics or bookings or whatever. But like, it's like okay you know, it's, it's now another thing. And then another thing, like when you don't have to worry about tires, it's, it's kind of that like Forrest Gump, like, well, now I didn't have to worry about money anymore. Like I can just focus on whatever I want to focus on. Right. Yep.
1: Yeah. That's because it's everything, right. When you're worried about a tire, you're worried about the weight. We're building a new car. How am I going to build the car? How wide does the body need to be? What offset do my wheels need to be? Yeah. It's never just like a a tire deal or a money deal. It's like the trickle down effect is huge,
0: huge. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you can say, but like, was it one of those, like, it happened and then calls came to you or you started making calls and like, okay, let's just get business going and see where we go from there. I picked up the phone and
1: started making calls immediately, for (laughs) sure. Uh, Like literally the second that I heard, I was like, okay, thank you very much. Does this mean that I should look for tires? And I got told, yes, Matt, that's what that means. And I said, all right, thank you very much. And I started making phone calls right then and there. At least they called you. Like it wasn't. An email. <laughs> yes, of course. And you know, how they told us was like, they were devastated, you know? Yeah. And the people who made the call was not like just the guy who I hit up, like, hey, bro, can you send me some tires? Like, it came from the top, you know? Yeah. And, those, those people wanted to make it a point that they call us drivers individually and let us know and kind of tell us the backstory because it wasn't like they didn't try everything they possibly could. It wasn't like they're like, all right, guy, you guys want us to cut the program? Sure, like they tried everything. And I think that's why we found out so late because they were literally trying everything.
0: Yeah, I I don't want to, I mean, I've got some backend information I'm, I'm not going to share, but my, yeah, from, from my knowledge base, at least, the people that would have called you put in every single effort. I mean, probably to the point of putting their jobs on the line to keep you exactly. guys running. So exactly, yeah, that's tough. I mean, I'm I'm happy that that's how it ended. If it's going to end, it wasn't just like you had to read it somewhere else because shit like that's happened, <laughs> right? Like, yeah,
1: Falcon is way <clears throat> too classy for God. that. And I think what people don't realize. Falcon Tire is such a family. It really is because we see each other so many times a year. We travel together. We stay together in the same hotels at grid life. We, we party together at the concerts. We've been, we've all been <laughs> doing <that> this. <laughs> like some, some people definitely yeah. <laughs> yeah, i have been hung over a time or two with those guys. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, but you guys got, got guys like Justin Pollock who've been with Falcon, I, I don't know, 12, 15 years, something crazy like yeah. that, you know? So it's definitely a family and. And that's why, when I say the trickle-down effect, they took care of so much for us. It, I never had to worry about anything tire support-related, tire transport-related, if the tires were going to be there. If I asked for something, they made it happen, and you, you can't beat that. You know, It really was something special, and I hope – that those guys who were responsible for the program, and that was what I asked too. I said, what about your boys? Like, do they all still have a job? Yeah. And they're like, we're going to be doing smaller shows and this and just a lot cheaper activations to kind of keep the guys who are responsible for the motorsports program employed. And That's good. that was <clears throat> super important to me because yeah. I knew one way or another – We'd bounce back we'd find a we'd find some people to fill those shoes and I'm super proud to say within 30 days we were able to lock down uh, a solid tire program and a title
0: sponsor really and a title and within 30 days yeah because like I know this has been probably one of the most difficult years for sponsorship from from my understanding speaking with many drivers across like many disciplines this has been the hardest year since probably 2008 2009 um So that's, that's incredible. So I applaud you on that. That's, that's fantastic. I think a lot of it has
1: to do with, um, I I hired a manager Uh, a couple years ago. Yeah. I work with Brandon Scarpelli and he really turned over my program on the sponsorship side of things, to the point where I can just be me yeah. and I can feed him content and he handles the rest of it. He handles the communication with the, with the partners and making sure they get their recaps and their pictures and their videos. And yeah. he handles so much for me so that I can focus on being me and trying to win races. Just drive. So I think that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Just Drive is like, that's a dream. It's so much more than Just yeah, Drive, but I, I can focus on <laughs> uh, being being me or being a race car driver. Right. And, and I think that because he came on, the partners have all seen the value year after year mm-hmm. increase. And sometimes the budget hasn't increased, but the value has definitely increased. And when it came time to ask, it was like, yeah, let's have that conversation, Matt. And I was like, wow,
0: is that, incredibly fortunate. Is that something you wish you would have done earlier in your career is, is get some sort of manager, like somebody on social media or anything like that?
1: yes and no because I learned so much doing it on my own and the funny thing is is that Brandon would just coach me through it because he worked at FD before an ID agency so I always had these connections with him they would hire me for like Brandon was partly responsible for the Gears of War stuff like he brought me in on that so we worked together on a lot of different projects and I'm fortunate that I did it on my own for so long because it made me, one, appreciate what Brandon does so freaking much and makes it worth every penny that I'm spending <clears throat> on him. And it taught me a lot where I kind of have the view of what the partners might like and what Brandon is going to need and how I should start and stop the camera and the type of things that I should film and okay. the timeline of how how long, I, how much lead, head time I need to like bank this content and where we're at because it's a separation of what's going on right now, what's going on in the future, yeah. and what happened in the past, right? It's like a balancing act. And I think if I didn't do it on my own for all those years, I wouldn't quite have a grasp on it. And I would have to be told what to do a lot more from my partners and from Brandon, where now Brandon and I are, we're totally on the same wavelength, like stuff fires back and forth
0: multiple times a day. And we have a lot scheduled out and figured out. And so fortunate. Yeah, that's that's really good to hear. I mean, I think um, F drifting in general because of how young the sport is just has so much to learn from other motorsports and, and that's why I tell a lot of like young drivers that I've chatted with where I'm like, listen, like, just go look at what the big guys are doing. Like, go look at, yeah. go look at, like, as far as F1. Like, if you want, if you want a masterclass on how it is to market a race program, how it is to, you know, run your social media, how it is to do that, just go to whatever you consider the elite level. If, if that's NASCAR, yeah. if that's Rally, if that's whatever, even just YouTubers, Look at those people and then go, okay, what are they doing? How can I do that either myself or find somebody I know to help me with that? Like implement it, change a little strategy, bring it into drifting. Yeah, I did that so
1: much with Supercross. I got super into dirt bikes and big Supercross fan. I'm actually going to go watch it at, at, up in Oakland in a couple of days. Oh, sick. And yeah, and I've I hired an artist that like does the tunes for Supercross and he's like contracted through Feld to like do my little tune thing and just – implementing these things in some of the, the outlooks and some of the mental games and the physical training and the warm-up exercises. I see a lot what these Supercross guys are doing and I've tried to implement it into my race program.
0: So, so are you doing like like mental coaching stuff now or is that something you're just taking on yourself, somebody that like you brought in to, to help with that or? It was something that I just decided to take serious during fitness
1: time. Okay. It was like hand-eye coordination, um, mental awareness, and physical stuff kind of all all at the same time and you know reading books and articles and doing as much as I possibly can to be the best person that I can every day and in every aspect on it right being a good friend a good partner a good businessman good on and off the track and of course keeping the mental game and the nerves in check has been it's still the hardest thing
0: yeah 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 like it's it's a it's such a I I can I I have no like way of even understanding what that pressure is like but like (laughs) yeah is it is it is it like a, a like something that you're fighting at the line? You like get into the car and you you're cleared out and you're like, nope, I'm here to do my job. This is my office. Like, do you are you, like have you noticed those thoughts come in like while driving, like in a run, and you have to kind of clear them while you're doing it? Like, wh- what's what's that like? <laughs> like I I I can't I can't imagine you you are literally at this point the second best driver, arguably in the world, depending on how you view FD standings. So, and, and hearing that you have doubts about abilities and about what you can do is, is humbling for a lot of people. So everybody else is dealing with the same thing. How, how are you dealing with that?
1: Man, I will say that the guy who pulls up to the line in a grassroots means nothing to the, except to the local people competition event has the same nerves that I do at FD. Yeah. It's the same thing. It does. It doesn't matter. You know, um, during the run, no, mind goes numb, mind goes blank, mind goes clear, and I just do my thing. I don't even tell myself like, make sure to pull the handbrake here, okay. or don't do this, just or do this. at this point. Yep, definitely. Maybe during practice, when I'm trying something, I'll tell myself, "Make sure you do this." But I really try to stay away from the negatives. I'll never say, "Don't pull the handbrake." I'll just say, "Use throttle." Yeah, right. So, because I'm trying to keep my brain in that positive side of it mm-hmm. right the, the the positive outlook it's if you tell yourself don't do something you're just going to do that so you might as well tell yourself what you want to do because you're going to do that anyways right so if it's in your head so i try to keep my brain there if i'm going into it i'm trying to tell myself like all right let's focus on if i don't want to handbrake at at clip one i'll tell myself throttle through inner clip one i won't tell myself don't do something right <clears throat> i have a like a warm-up that i do for Mind and body before I get in the car, and I do that no matter what. If I'm out of the car and I'm doing something, and it's pre-practice, or I do that same warm-up. I have somebody who helps warm me up. Is that with the throwing the ball back and forth kind of thing? With the balls, yep. yeah. I swing my kettlebells. Yep. I have my battle ropes. I have my jump rope. I have I have a whole thing going down, you know. Um, and then just. Really trying to figure out how to deal with the nerves because there's nerves. No, no doubt about it, but telling yourself like those nerves are there. I'm okay with it. I accept that those nerves are there, but it doesn't do anything. So you might as well just focus on the positives and focus on what you are going to do in the run. And you're going to try your best because the nerves really don't have any outlook on the outcome or don't have any, uh, anything to do with the outcome of the battle. What, what has everything to do with the outcome of the battle is you're driving.
0: So you might as well just focus on your driving and keep it positive. Yeah, it sounds. I mean, to put it simply, very much like the like the the monster in the closet, or the monster under the bed. Where you're like, okay, I know it's dark there. Like I know,
1: like I, I can't see
0: that, but like it's fine. I'm just I'm gonna go to bed. I'm just gonna do my thing, and like just move on. And it's it's everything is gonna be fine. Yep, accept it, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And
1: also what's really turned things around for me, probably two things. Uh, my wife coming back into my life, that's been my, my dream girl. Uh, we, knew, we met when we were like 19 or 20 years old, dated for seven years apart. Her coming back into my life oh, was like life-changing just for overall happiness and mental wellness and giving me a reason to get out of the shop and giving me a reason to get up in the morning. You know, just yeah. all good things, right? And realizing that I need to have fun. That was the biggest thing. Drinking beer, riding pit bikes, winning battles. That's what we do. You know, I, I now have, we do like, so, during the summer, it was only drifting. And now we go out, we ride jet skis. I finished my, my, one of my best friends, Ripper's Boat. So we go out and drink beers on the boat and I ride my dirt bike and we ride jet skis and we just overall have a, a good time. And I, have a re, uh, I feel like I have a reason to be alive outside of drifting. Mm. I have a reason to like go to FD, take care of business, do my absolute best and then I have something to look forward to instead of just knowing well there's uh, next weekend we got to work on the car and the rig and this no I have something to look forward to outside of drifting and I think that that's been life changing
0: yeah I would say overall like from from a third party perspective like your give a fuck meter has been just slowly going down over the years right <laughs> like it, not not that like you were you know really into it early on but I think younger you maybe had more of a, an awareness of like, oh, this is how I want to present myself. This is how I want to do this. I'm going to match my sunglasses to my car. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to rotate through different facial hair to see what works. Some <laughs> did, some didn't. Not yes, me to judge. Yes. I can barely grow it. So, <laughs> um, but then it, it just seems even in the last, you know, four or five years, it's been less and less of that where, and 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 I think that's maybe divided the audience a little bit more where yeah. you've, maybe less tried to cater to the toll audience and be like, no, if you like me for who I am, then you're going to like me. And if not, you're not going to like me. And I don't, I'm not here to cater to you. and And I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. It's just that's nope, the perspective that's that I've seen from, from my end. I just feel
1: there's so few real personalities in drifting and which sucks because I know these drivers on a personal level and, and, They're awesome. That guy's funny. That guy's a dickhead. That guy's plain Jane, right? Everyone has their personality, but man, as soon as that camera comes up and we do our interviews, we all say the same stuff.
0: Yeah. It's, 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 it kind of has to be though. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I know, but I I mean, I don't have to be that way. Yeah. (laughs) But it's super divided, right? Like I get hate on my social media. I see it and that's cool. I I, I don't mind thanks because for I am, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I am who I am. You know, I I don't want to be the cookie cutter. I don't want to be the guy who thanks the same people and who says yeah the run was great and we tried our best and we learned a lot and on to the next. Like I'll say if I don't like what happened or if I'm disappointed in myself or if I'm disappointed in this or I'm happy about that or screw that guy. I don't mind, and I yeah. think I I hope that we all are able to have our personalities at some point, but it is tough because we're all, we're all fishing in the same pool of sponsors. And if the partner who the person who is in charge of writing the checks doesn't like what you said, I mean, that, that could have an effect on things, but you know, life goes on. And I think that we all have to have our own personalities and I hope that it I mean, even in Formula One, those guys have personalities. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's a lot of the same people, but they are also at the point in their careers where they can kind of say what they want.
0: Yeah, I mean, as they, it seems to be as they, they. I mean, it, well, some guys, like, I mean, Lewis Hamilton's kind of in canned lines since day one, but then you've, you see somebody like a Max Verstappen, we're like, no, he'll... Doesn't care. I'm going to sell you. I mean, his dad was the exact same way. But like, Yas yeah, yeah. Yeah, was deep. But even Lewis, I mean, maybe he's come around. Lewis is just talking. Yeah. But he's talking about his lifestyle
1: and, yeah. and how he thinks people should live and animal cruelty and cleaning up the beaches. And like, if that's, maybe that's just him, you know, maybe that's really what he cares about. So he's using his voice to talk about those things. Yeah. But I mean, what drift driver is going that direction or the opposite one? There's just not a whole lot.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you, you take somebody like, like, you know, a uh, JR where it's like, it's, it's a big personality. He pushed that out there. He's pushing that. And yep. it's, it's good. And it was good for the sport. And it's people, awesome. people yep. latched onto it. And then, you know, we had, awesome. I think another great one would be like Chris where like, there was no filter there, yeah. right? Like there was, that's Kristaps. Like whether you are in the pits or in an interview or he's like half a case of beer deep, that's Kristaps. There's no changing yes. that man. The, he, that guy's the best. It dude scares me. <laughs> that just as a general human, like that, he walks by and I shake. Like <laughs> I've talked to him, he's a great guy. He's for real. But he's for real, yeah. 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 So, uh, okay, on that, I think we I think we need to hit the elephant in the room. Let's Let's talk about Long Beach. Let's talk about that whole situation because we, I I, I wanted to get there, but also like, you know, I got to look at the time and make sure that, you know, we keep people engaged here. (laughs) But um, let's let's walk through that because you had rebuilt that car. You'd spent the entire off season getting that thing tuned in. And then coming to Long Beach, we talked about that being a pinball machine. And, you know, obviously the Osbo situation happens. Attention all FD fans, if you are heading to an event this year, I've got an easy way for you to save yourself five bucks. So when you go to pick up tickets for any of the eight events, that's any of them, Long Beach, you know, Seattle, Atlanta, whatever it is that you want to go to, at checkout, use the code FD podcast. You'll save you five bucks doing this for the 20th season. So head over, use the coupon code, save yourself some money, and I'll see you up there. Maybe you'll see me walking around. I don't know. If you do, say hi. Tell me, hey, I save five bucks. If you want to give me that five bucks, I'm okay with that too. So what goes through yeah. your head as soon as that that happens? Before, we'll get to the posting shit, but like before any of that, you feel that tap, you know you're going into that wall. What happens at that point? The first reaction is just like,
1: save the car, right? right? At all means, try to do something. Yeah. There was definitely nothing that I can do yeah. um, or that I could have done. And then my mind goes to, I'm getting married next week, and oh, then I'm going on my honeymoon. Right, and I'm looking at my frame rails, and my car is like this, was, and I like know four that the frame, yep, and the suspension, cool, like that stuff unbolts and is savable. But I looked at my frame rails, and they were straight, forty-five or fifty degrees, and I knew then I was like, this is not just a normal crash. This is like a serious, serious deal yeah. where, basically, car has to come down to a tub and i either need to replace the chassis or hopefully my frame guy hector can pull it straight hopefully you know hopefully. of course his name hector yeah and he's the baddest freaking dude on the frame machine out there. The dude is so freaking talented. He straightened my S fourteen like four times now, and he he even straightened uh, straightened Joshua Reynolds' car, his Eurofighter at Long Beach. The frame rails were bent and tweaked, and he pulled that thing back. And you look at that car, and it's perfectly yeah. straight. So I knew that he probably could, but I also knew one, it's probably never going to be the same, yeah. and two, like I might have to get. The front end of a corvette and chop it off and weld it together and i know and I, all this is going through my head as i unbuckle and i look at the frame rail like outside the window and i'm like cool i'm getting married literally in seven days from now yeah. and then on two days or one day after that i'm going on my honeymoon for a week yeah and you know you start tracking back okay got it. The car needs to be on track in Atlanta at this date, And then the rig needs to leave at this date, and I'll be back at this date. And that's where my mind went Yeah, hundred percent. I didn't care about anything else. I didn't care second place, third place, first place, what could be, what couldn't be. I didn't care about Frederick, didn't care about the cameras, didn't care about anything. I only thought a thing that I had was like, this is my responsibility. This is my car. I, I'm the one who's going to have to like book it home, tear it apart, Get the get all the parts sent off. Intercoolers destroyed. All these parts are destroyed. And that all this needs to be orchestrated because at the end of the day, my crew killed it. I'm I'm no ifs, ands, or buts. If it wasn't for them, I would not have made it to the next round. But at the same time, I still had a lot to facilitate yeah. the entire time. Right. And I'm I'm trying to set up for the wedding and instead I'm trying to blow my car apart and get it over to Hector. But I'm like setting up for the wedding and taking the car apart and taking phone calls and scheduling when we're going to pick up the cake and, you know, all of these things at the same time. So as soon as that hit happened, that's where my mind went. Wow! And, you know, definitely emotions ran high, but man, if you haven't noticed by yet, I have a big personality and I I am not afraid to share my emotions, happy or sad, mad, whatever it might be. And, I did. And that's, that's the biggest thing at the end of the day. Like if I was Frederick, I would have done the same thing yeah. and I probably wouldn't have cared at all. I probably would have cared less than him yeah. that I did that to me, but I, I still felt that I
0: have the right to feel how I want to feel only because of what I had on my plate. You yeah. know, that's it. Yeah, no, I think that's a, I mean, I think that's a reasonable explanation. I mean, I've I dude I, I mean I've gotten more angry than that over like somebody backing into me <laughs> in a parking lot and I'm like that's what I'm saying we're, we're
1: such under the microscope yeah you know we're under the microscope so much that we can't say a single fuck you without being like a total that guy's a poor person he doesn't reflect his partner as well this that you know and it's like dude we're, we're literally all people yeah we're literally all people and we we all care about each other but we all can feel how we want to feel about each other at the same time man
0: yeah no I that that's a- a, a solid point. And I think that, and that's why I wanted you to explain everything else before it. Because, like, a lot of people are just looking at this, like, I wrecked this car. Like, hey, man, that's drifting. And it's like, yes, 100%. Every one of you guys, everybody who drifts For a car, sure. goes in there expecting to write it. it off. You have to, especially at Long yep. Beach. Like, that's. Yeah, especially. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you can't drive that track well unless you're expecting that car to be destroyed by the time you're done. Because. And you could do it on your own and you have to fully accept it. Yeah.
1: And I think that's what people didn't get. They don't get that I I already know the risks that I'm facing, you know? And it wasn't like I was mad at Frederick. I was just mad mad at the situation. I was, I was just upset that I have so much work ahead of me that with the wedding and the honeymoon and everything else that I was juggling, right? Yeah. And you know what sucks? People were just like, why is this guy complaining? Falcon will just give him a new car they they had this assumption
0: that I was this factory driver where I just showed up and drove and it couldn't be the opposite, it, you know? It's definitely, I think that's one of the biggest disconnects that um, we have with, I would say the like the average or maybe less than average viewer of FD. I think the, the hardcore fans, people who really know, understand a lot of the financial situations here. Um, a great example I have with this is I remember, I can't remember where I was, but somebody asked me or asked Jonathan Hurst, like, oh, like, is this all you do? And I, he's like, no, like, I can barely get to the events. Like I, yeah. like I'm sleeping in the trailer. Barely. I'm eating chili every event. Like, no, I'm not making money. Sacrifices, man. Yeah, yeah sacrifices. And, and, yeah. and that's why I want to make sure that we get on every episode a story like that. Like you talking about, you know, being younger and and going to college and getting this done and renting at the first room because, like, almost everybody in the sport has some sort of story that way. And I've even spoken with drivers who, uh family money or very well funded in the beginning but still have a story like that I mean I know Chris Forsberg talked about like when he started like sleeping in the car he was driving at the event and like oh heck yeah you know JR quitting his job at was, like Microsoft or something there's like some some like computing tech job or yeah, something tech like that guy, yeah, yeah he's like an <laughs> IT guy which is incredible because like that's definitely not who he is now and no, it's like yeah. but, but the but that's the information that I think people miss yeah. especially if they come in you know, a couple of, like years later, and they're like, "Oh, this is just who Matfield is." Like, you know, he's yep. he's been around. He's this crazy driver. He drives a Corvette, and it's like, well, what happened before that? Like, that's that's what we don't have a lot of information on. And like, I'm hoping FD, like, this is this is my like message to Ryan Sage, who I know is going to listen to this before anybody else does. Is like, that's what we need. We need that history. We need those stories back. And and I think the anniversary of FD is is I mean, what better time to do it then?
1: Perfect opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do all have our interesting stories, and that brings it back to drifting is extremely grassroots. Still, it's an extremely young sport in the grand scheme of auto sport. Yeah. Extremely young. And we're all trying to find our way, and we're all making sacrifices since day one. And it would be great to be able to tell the story. I mean, everybody on the field must have some pretty crazy stuff that they have sacrificed for drifting and and not just for drifting to make it to formula drift yeah even just to get there just going drifting is one thing but to say like oh i'm going to formula drift that's a totally different set of discipline that you have to hold yourself to yeah and i I think a lot
0: of i mean just as somebody who's spoken to i probably every driver on the grid at this point like everybody seems to be a little bit jaded by it Where they're like, yeah, no, I'm here. I got to deal with this. I'm like, hang on. Stop for a second. Take a look around. (laughs) You're one of the top 32 people here. Like, that's it. Like, whatever you want to say, you know, know, I'm sure there are guys who are in grassroots stuff that could beat out some of the the lower rank guys or something. That's fine. But they're still not there. They didn't and make it. This is what I like to say. It's not
1: just about the driving on track. No, driving. That means that this, means that this driver exactly. Yeah. That means that this driver, even the twenty eighth place driver, was able to put a business program together enough. Was able to either find facilitate this. If it doesn't matter, right? Like they put themselves themselves in that position. They. Are, it's not just based off of their driving, right? They they
0: had that hustle to get there
1: one way yeah. or another. Whether
0: even if it's just yeah. like having to book all the logistics, all the hotels, getting. All the equipment uh, there. No worries. Making sure everything is in trailers, like, and you didn't forget shit or the cars, whatever. Even if it's just you had to build a team to handle that for you, that is still a yeah. skill set. That, yeah. like, managing a team is probably one of the most difficult parts of. So hard. Yeah.
1: Everyone's having fun when you're doing it grassroots and there's nothing on the line and there's no money on the line yeah. and there's no money coming in. Everyone's having a blast. Drinking beers, doing it for fun. Yeah. But once you step into FD, all of a sudden, it's, yeah, you're managing people and people's needs. And this person Egos, hates that person. expectations. And yeah, it's, yeah. yep, it's a whole lot more. And that, that's a
0: talent to have. And these people who are at FD are here for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just, I think, a part that gets glossed over is it's, it's the team. Like, it's not, the driver is just the person you see on screen. Like, that's not, that's not the end story. There's everything else that came before they ever even touched the line. so Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. So this year, any big plans? Anything you can talk about? I mean, I told you when this is coming out. So I don't know if if that lines up with anything. I know. (laughs) That's why I asked. I I said, when is this coming out?
1: And then I called Brandon right away and we discussed timelines and outlooks. But I think we're going to keep our cards a little bit tight um, because I'm hoping that this is probably the timeline. Once you guys are listening to this, within two weeks, we should have a completed car with the new livery, with the new tires, with all the new little parts and trinkets and all the cool shit that we've done and been working on for you guys to see. And I'm hoping that I can announce it with an awesome video of me ripping on the car. I hope so. I could show you guys right now, hey, look, this is my my livery that Ian from Factory 83 (laughs) is working on. Yeah, you can zoom in and see the tires and the colors and all of that, but I just— feel that would be extremely lame. So I'm just telling you guys now,
0: within the next two weeks, be on the lookout and, uh, yeah. I want to launch video. Tell tell me what you guys think. I want a launch video because, like, HyperVision was sick and, and I need more of that in my life. Like, yes. And that's the thing, too. I've kind of been throwing around
1: the idea that I need to kind of have a, a one of them sick builds that b- blows up and yeah. changes the game a little bit. And I think that my goal is to do another, another video with heat Supervision. supervision, um, supervision on, on some sort of mountain road yeah. or something like that. But with a new car that would be totally different. Um, you know, the Corvette definitely was a game changer for me in my career. So I'm hoping to build something very soon that will be that next game changer. I've been throwing around ideas, I've been scheming and looking at gearboxes and placements for this and CAD drawings from these people. And I'm I'm really like starting to put pen to paper and I think it's gonna be Ooh. gonna be awesome. And I'm I'm excited to I'm excited to make the purchase of the car
0: and <laughs> see where it goes. Is that That's first? Is that a hard <laughs> is that a hard purchase? Is that like a a hard to find, uh, like difficult? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I think
1: it's like hard to bring myself to spend the money to do it uh, and like making that commitment. That's the hard part, right? Making that commitment, but I'm going to do it. And I've been obsessing with it. Half my time is spent like obsessing with this project. And then the other half of the time, well, it's broken into threes right now. Business calls, yeah. Zoom meetings with partners, all freaking day. Um, <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> literally all day. And, and stuff like this. Yeah, right? yeah. like This hey. has been on the schedule. I've been, I mean, I've been trying to do this for three days now, and I've, I haven't been able to. Hey, we got it. Um, working on the race car, because I, I, I hopefully you guys know we're building a new chassis. And that just, although the parts are like unbolt, bolt on. I can't even tell you how many tabs and zip tie holders I underestimated on this project. I'm <laughs> like, I spent five days drilling. There's these little plastic zip tie holders, yeah. right? That like hold wiring and lines and plumbing and all that. I spent like four days installing these holders all over the <laughs> chassis. And it's just like mind drilling holes in the firewall, bulkhead, 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 bulkhead. It's so much, yeah, so and, and that's a lot of time. And your obsession and then, with uh, nuts doesn't speed things up yeah, either. So many nuts. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. I rivnut everything, rivnut no, everything. no sheet metal screws. In the entire car, absolutely not. No nut and bolt. No. What a, nope, what no, a drift no. flex! Like that's a drift flex right there. Where it's like there's no <laughs> no sheet metal screws. <laughs> yes, definitely not. And then uh, obsessing over this new project, and right. I've been on the phone with uh, CAD Chris, the part Shop Max CAD engineer, and I kind of have part shop Max support to dive headfirst into this. Ooh. We got some CAD time, like on the books, like put aside as part of the program, as part of my sponsorship for this new project. So it's. Pretty freaking awesome. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I can't yeah. wait to hear about it. Um, yes, I know.
0: So, and then again, I'm browsing on Copart, man. I'm, I'm on Copart every freaking day now trying to find the right one. Uh, there's, I mean, that, that could be a hint right there. I mean, I hope somebody puts it together. I don't know if they will. There's not quite enough there, but I think there's enough to get some ideas.
1: I mean, also everything's on Copart, literally everything from a brand new car to like old ass stuff. Everything is on Copart nowadays. Yeah. Right?
0: I mean, especially with the floods. Oh, geez. There's the floods are all yeah. over the place now. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's the one upside to all this crazy weather we've been having is like, yeah, look at all these cars. I remember what was it when Texas flooded out, and then just like everyone's like, okay, hey, cool, jump on, you know, whatever auction site of choice and start looking because start know, looking, start yeah, looking. you'll find something.
1: Uh, but you know, what? the flood cars, you have to turn into a race car. Has to be, yeah. Making it a regular car again, yeah, it's not a thing. No. Like my my C6 was a flood car from the East Coast, and uh, it had a certificate of destruction. Yeah. So what that <laughs> means, like, you can never rebuild it. You can't put it. You can't register it. You can't put it back on the road. I don't care if you strip all the interior and replace all the wiring; it doesn't matter. Yeah. Certificate of destruction. So those are generally worth a little bit less on the auction sites, and that's what I'm looking for. I mean, unless
0: you're in Florida, then I mean, you can just register whatever you want. Yeah, I guess so, right? These yeah, and all the flood cars come out of Florida anyway. Yeah, no. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they leave Florida and then you know get registered somewhere else, then come back into Florida and get registered yeah. again. Oh, it's probably yeah. like a whole. There's a whole like you know cottage industry of just like between Florida and Georgia.
1: Ring, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, any like anything other like obviously we can't get into the sponsor stuff, but like is there anything that you're looking to change going into into this season because i mean last season I would say is probably the best season you've had, but like obviously the most heartbreaking like that i I wanted the storybook ending so bad and I was there and i'm like i was I was standing in the hot pits just waiting for it to happen and that like that crushed me. Um, from yep. a fan perspective. So, like, obviously, not do that again. But there's only one thing that I want to change, and it's one
1: position at the, at the last part of the year. You know, that's it. Yeah. One position. That's it. The one thing. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, there's only one goal, yep. for sure, and that's to win the championship. But that's, like, the big goal, right? I, you start thinking about that at whatever point in the season, right? Mm-hmm. To begin with, I mean, all I want to do is win some battles and have a good time. That's it. Live my life to its fullest, be kind to people, have a good time with my team, and win some freaking battles. That's what I want to do. And I think if you have that outlook at every single round and you show up ready to win but also ready to party, things will probably work out. I think that the car is is there for sure. I think that my driving skill is there. I I want to do better. I want to be better. I I didn't win a single round last year, which was frustrating as all it could get because there's probably five rounds where I'm like, I'm winning this sucker. I'm winning this thing have. guaranteed yeah. It, yeah. for sure. Then something stupid happens or whatever, you know? Um, so I, I, I want to definitely win some rounds this year and make my life a little bit easier. That's, that would be nice. It's more, it's always just fun. It's more fun winning, you know, it's way more fun winning. Yeah. Yeah. it definitely is. I mean, once, <laughs> once you've won, it's like, okay, cool. Like that's, you know. I know I get second place and my team is freaking bummed and it's so funny we go back to the pits and i'm like great weekend oh. guys are like yeah 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 like so funny you know obviously they're pumped yeah obviously, obviously. but they're not that pumped it's, they're not first place pumped yeah it's it's so i i yeah it's you're, you're so close we're so like, jaded now we're so jaded you know like even when we when we don't qualify first and we don't win around. we're just like ah, this is frustrating you know and uh, flashback eight years ago, five years ago, whatever it might be, I would be like dying. Oh, I got on the podium again. Thank God, you know, yeah. I would be the happiest man in the world just to step foot on the podium again. So it's funny to see how far we've come and how jaded standing on the podium countless times makes you. But uh, I mean, for me, if you could taste champagne at the end of the weekend, it's a good freaking weekend.
0: I mean, I've tasted a few times, it it's just in the media pit and you were spraying at me and I'm like, ah, no, oh, stop. Like... Yeah. <laughs> that one of my things right like i make sure i pop that
1: freaking bottle but as soon as i do that yeah. i don't care about spraying it on the other drivers or spraying on myself the first thing i do is i run down and i give each one of my crew members yep. a swig from the bottle every single one of them, make sure that they taste that champagne. Then I go back up and then I cheers with the drivers. Yeah, the and guys. you got uh, yeah. to like get I give it Mary and
0: Jared. And I mean, like Jared can't walk away from that podium clean. It's just, you can't.
1: Oh, exactly. He tries exactly. to run away,
0: but it's like, no, nah, somebody hunts him yeah. down eventually. That's why
1: I don't even bother spraying those guys. I just go and pour it down my team's That's throat. Cool.
0: They deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess like with that jaded feeling, like what do you, how do you, do you move past that? Like, it sounds like you're still embracing those podiums, but like, how do you how do you push, like, do you use that as motivation? Is that something, like, you're not dwelling on You're like, yeah, cool, we got on the podium. But, like, obviously there's part of you that's like, fuck. Like, I'm right there. Like, is that, do you use that or do you just, nope, on to the next thing? I don't think I need to use it for motivation. Okay. I think I'm an
1: extremely motivated person. And if I get first at the, if I get first place or I get second place, I'm going into the next round with the same view, Mm -hmm. right? I, I don't need to be motivated to get out of bed in the morning. I don't need to be motivated to try my absolute best. I don't need to be motivated to try to win a battle. I am dead set and focused on winning as many battles as I possibly can, and you either win the last one or you lose the last one, right? But at, at the end of the day, the focus is the same, the goals are the same, but how, the things that change is kinda of like how you get there. Yeah. So the goal is always gonna be the same, but the process is gonna be different. Uh, every round is gonna have a slightly different setup process. Every round is gonna have a slightly different strategy depending on tire and and lead and follow and and how hard you're pushing here and how hard you're pushing there. So I think that I, I look forward to that, like, First place or or sixth place. I look forward to the process, the next round. Right. But I definitely don't change the overall goal. The goal is always the same.
0: Are, are you guys making like major setup changes, driver to driver, or is it like minimal tuning, like maybe you know a couple of psi change, something like that? Like, I know I used to do so much. Yeah, but now I just drive different. Really. Yeah. That's so. This is this is one of those like fascinating things. I love to get into with drivers because there's there's so many different mindsets and mentalities of this. Because there are drivers who will like they'll take notes, they'll redial, and it in in my idea, I'm like, isn't it easier to change the driver than it is the car? And then I know some drivers like, no, I know what I need to do, and I just need the car to do this thing different. And it's like, okay,
1: there's a difference, right? the car is not going to be exactly the same going to the finals battle with Chelsea as it is a top 32 battle with somebody who you know is slow. Yeah. that 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 is a fact. Yeah. But it's not the kitchen sink difference. We're not talking different springs and different clicks on the shocks and different sway bars. We change some tire pressure and you change your mind. That's pretty much it for me, at
0: least. Are you, and it, like, are you guys monitoring things like track temp or tire temp coming off? Like checking wear notes or anything like that? Like, I'm just curious, like how deep you guys go? Because there's, There there are people out there who don't do anything and still drive incredible. (laughs) Like, they just come back to the pits, throw new tires on, car feels great, let's go. And then there's other guys who are, like, full checklist. Like, every run, full checklist. So I think we're somewhere in between.
1: Um, I try to not bother myself with all of those things until it's, like, necessary. I'll be like, I think track tip's changing out there, boys. Let's talk about it, right? But it's definitely not like track temp, scroll down, column, what this equals, move over, right. this tire pressure, those right? those people it's exist. Like,
0: like, there are teams right sure. now that are doing that. Like
1: Yeah, like, just because it's 72 degrees at Irwindale doesn't mean that you have to run the same exact pressure as you did last year. Right. Because, man, here's the thing. <laughs> Unless you won every single round and you won every single lap of practice and you qualified first, what you did last year might have not been perfect. So I really much feel like you might as well discuss it with the team. Yeah. How are you feeling? How how on a scale of one to 10, how tuned up is the driver? Because mm. if you're driving 10 out of 10, th- that's a big difference. And when you're kind of still got crusties in your eyes and you're <laughs> driving out of seven, right? Yeah. So there is no like full on spreadsheet. There's there's what we've done in the past. Yeah. But to me, there's no answer, right? I think that drifting is such a dark arts oh, where 100%. no one has no one has the the final answer. So for me, I like to just tell myself, where are we in the moment? Let's look at the big picture. How have our runs been? How, where do our runs need to be? Where do we stack up? Where are we planning on, you know, what we need to do to qualify? Or, or if you know you're not going to qualify first, like how do we maximize where we're at, right? You have to just take a step back and look at the big picture and then figure out, all right, track temp is this. But okay. we monitor everything on the car yeah, because uh, we're partnered with AIM Data Sports. So we have like, more data than we would know what to do yeah. with, right? Because they're just like, Matt, we came out with this new sensor. Put it on your car. We came out with this new smart... I'm installing a Smarty cam 3. It's like, I don't need this freaking thing, but it's badass. And I'm going <laughs> to be able to like two cameras, one f- forward pointing, one rear pointing. Um, and then it like I'll be able to like live stream, output it to a live stream device and be able to live stream from inside of my car if I wanted to. And it's like just so sick. And we have... Tire temp sensors, shock potentiometer, steering angle sensors, brake pressure sensors on all the braking systems, front brake, rear brake, yeah. hand brake, the clutch sensors, uh, track temp sensors, literally too many sensors. So it gets to a point where like we can overload ourselves with it. But I think what's really been good is we had those sensors early on. Before anybody had any sensors in drift cars, we had all the sensors, and it helped me progress as a driver because I could be like, all right, this is what I think. But then we can look at the data and be like, yes, Matt, you're right. Or no, Matt, you're wrong. Because I'll be like, I think I need more compression in the rear shocks. And they'll be like, let's see if you're full of shit. And then we'll be able to look and. Yeah, "Yeah,
0: you're bottoming out all the time. Or, you know, or.
1: Yeah. Interesting. The biggest thing is, no, bro, I was totally floored through there, dude. I was floored. And they'll be like, no. no, definitely weren't. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> And yeah, AIM, AIM has been an awesome partner coming on board because it really has kind of transformed this program from very grassroots to like maybe having too much. And then now I've kind of been meandering the line of, okay, I can go too deep. And mm-hmm. at
0: some point you got to tell yourself, shut the hell up and drive better. Do Do you think, so some fans may not realize this, but like FD has had a pretty big interest in car data lately. Like that's been... Probably the biggest push in the last two years. Um, yep. So, to get everybody else up to speed, if you didn't know, now in all the FD cars, oh. you guys have to have a can out um, output, which then hooks into uh, I don't know the brand, but like it, uh, yep. it hooks- it's an AIM solo oh, too. Is- oh, and okay. actually, we we were kind of uh, a part
1: of connecting the two dots and getting ah. Kevin to talk to Robbie at AIM and gotcha. making the deal. And I, you know, I, I ho- hopefully was able to connect a couple of dots for those guys because I think that Kevin bringing that. Solo two into FD has been a huge, huge
0: help for the fans, the judges, mm-hmm. everything. Do you, do you think yeah. like do you think that'll become uh, like a part of the judging criteria? Mm-hmm. At least like maybe um not, not maybe even like petition, where it's like part of petitioning. Now is like okay, we can check footage. There was a conversation about um, people bringing in their own footage for petitioning because sometimes there's things that live streams can't catch because of various reasons. Do you think it'll ever become that point where it's like okay, we're just, we'll pull your log. We'll pull your luck. Yep. No, that's, that's where we're at. Yep. I think last
1: year, especially once Kevin kind of put in that D-cell light threshold right. into the into the aim. He was able to determine, like, pull the data and be like, yes, he did D-cell and he was not in a D-cell zone or whatever and then be able to turn things around. Odie and Vaughn had a, a battle last year, or uh, in <clears> 21, <throat> where Vaughn hit him, pushed him off the track. They said that Odie slowed. They looked at the data. Odie didn't slow. He got his points back for that battle. So it's like, right. th- it's there, you know? That stuff does happen, and I think... It's way too early on to tell if it's gonna be like gospel. We only go off of this ain't yeah, thing DOS, that Kevin right? said, right? Yeah, exactly. I love the DOS. Bring on really? the DOS. I freaking love the DOS. Oh man. Okay. Yes. Oh, the DOS don't lie, dude. Daddy doesn't lie. Yes, I love it. Could you? So the because I did uh, I in China it was D1 rules. Yeah, like D1 DOS. All the Japanese staff driving to uh, driving with D1 drivers and figuring that thing out is the coolest hardest most technical
0: side of drifting ever so technical because it'll promote like snap to angle it promotes style it you know yeah the proxim- speed too yeah i love it if you
1: don't exceed a certain mile per hour kilometers per hour on entry you don't get your full points for the first sector i love it hmm. and i can't tell you how many people slow roll the run up and then Do some weird thing to screw up the battle, especially at big bank tracks. And it's like, if we had the DOS, it literally spits out the data instantly. They will have like a group of 16 or 20 cars, do a practice session for 10 minutes. And then you have your data on your phone four minutes later. So, so how would you, okay, you know, Let's say Sage. Let's say Sage retires tomorrow for whatever. Oh my God! Sage's gonna be listening to this, and he's gonna be like, "Damn, this man Nah, it's DOS. fine. Hey, I, I, <laughs> I
0: warned him. I am a loose cannon. He should not give me a microphone, but he didn't listen. Yeah. So yeah. here we are. And he
1: gave you the he gave you a microphone and the keys. Yeah,
0: basically. I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know what, you know what you're getting into. So Sage retires tomorrow. You come into F D. What are you changing? Would Would you put in DOS? Would you like move a judge or like? Not not I like would, one in particular, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to, it's <laughs> fine. But like <laughs> Yeah. That damn
1: long tank. No, I'm just kidding. Um I would have the three judges yeah. and make sure so line has recently been introduced in D1, right? Where before it wasn't. Yeah. Which I didn't I didn't like about that at all because weird. you can be in the middle of the track. Yeah, super weird. But I think that having I don't know if you need three judges or how many judges you would need. You really gotta like break it down. But Having the DOS for qualifying, for sure, okay. and having the DOS operative but during practice because that's how you learn how to drive to the DOS, right. and then having the DOS as an aid for the judges. I still want the judges to figure out who is the winner and who is the loser of a battle, <laughs> but I want them to be able to look like, all right, that lead run looked badass. It was gangster. And you look and you're like, cool. That was a 99.7. Cause DOS, it's super high scores, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was a 99.7. You're like, All right. That was a decent lead run. Like I thought it was the banger lead run of a lifetime, but actually it was just like pretty good. And then you're like, all right, let me focus on that. And instead of just seeing what you see from first and then making your decision, I think if they had something to help quantify it, because dude, a perfect example, At Irwindale, the judges are really far away. Yeah. And they can see everything, but they're very far away. And you know, being a media guy, the view up top is very different from the view as the smoke slaps you in the face coming into inner two or outer two. (laughs) Very, very different. And I think that we might be able to see some of those differences with the DAW system and It's tricky. And I'm not saying DOS is perfect, but I think that having some sort of system that the judges can go back to reliably, quickly and be like, why was his entry speed so low? And why was he so wobbly around the bank? And why did he not have that much angle? When you're Irwindale away, it almost just looks the same. Oh, he was a little wobbly. Uh, it's not the end of the world. We'll take a couple of style points away. But the DOS might be like, no, that was a trash lead run, and you need to second guess what's going on in a battle. And I think that they just maybe don't have the ability to do that because some
0: tracks, they're super far away. Hmm, okay. That's an interesting take on it. Because I've, I've heard people argue like, okay, let's, let's get rid of one judge and replace a judge with DOS, and then that becomes you know, however that's scored and that becomes a part of a decision. But that gets tricky with battles. I don't know. Who are these people, though, telling you about DOS? Have they ever driven D1? I hate to
1: say it, but probably yeah, not. they're and all until- fans. They're all, yeah, all can Yeah, and you can't just say, like, replace one with a DOS. It just doesn't work yeah. like that until you've seen what the DOS provides you, the sector, the angle, why, like, it's so incredibly technical that it would just be an aid. I still think you need three judges. I want a person to decide my fate in the battle, but I want them to have as much data as they possibly can. And me, I've been a huge advocate, especially with Sage. I'm sure he's tired of hearing me say it, like camera angles and yep. replays and all of these things because I've i been let – me let me be careful with what I say. <laughs> I feel like – Stuff has not been... I don't want you to be uh, careful. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's been times and battles where not everything has been seen, and the judges have not made a fully educated decision. They made a a decision off of the information that they have, which, if they would have had more information, could have potentially gone in a different direction. That's a very roundabout
0: way of going about what I think you're talking about, but that's fine.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I just want them to have more, dude. More video, more data, do, more everything. Do you the think car would,
0: would solve a lot of this? Because I think that's... For sure. Because that's... 100%. That's Okay, that's the argument. I mean, I'm going to use the word... Uh, the, the word is flop. That has been the argument and the discussion for, I would say, three years. It happened a couple of times three years ago where people were like, ah, oh, this guy flopped. And then you know, people kind of get stuck on that, like, oh, this guy flopped on this run. And it's like, okay, well, hang on. Understand, one, that these cars, the moment you come off throttle or the moment you're not grabbing the brake or you're not left foot braking or something, they're driving straight. So anything that disrupts that car is going to cause that car to do something weird and, and not drift. But the ultimate decider is the intent, if you will, or the action of the driver inside, which, which would be solved with an in-car. I think less about
1: the flop and more about when weird stuff happens, like somebody's car shuts off and then there's a collision and then they're like, well, who was at fault for that? Uh, but really the guys in front had a problem. I can't not tell you. Say anything cars, they're not going to yeah, say anything. Cars used to pop out of gear Yeah. and I, I think it's less a thing now, but man, there was a time a couple of years ago when a guy would pop out of gear, get hit, Drive away, looks like he got hit and just drove away from it, right? Flop or not, yeah. he got hit and he drove away, but why did he get hit, right? Who, who knows? But having the data, the in car, the brake pressure sensors, you know, all of these tools for the judges to decide something. And I think let's say 80% of battles are straightforward enough that they don't need to look at the DOS. They don't need to look at in-car. They don't need to look at the data coming off the cars. They can just watch the battle and make the decision. But there's definitely been some times, and it's happening more and more because the level of driving is incredibly high and people are driving so close to each other that stuff happens way faster that I don't think they can make a fully educated decision. And they just need everything. They need all the data, the in-car. And I don't think there's one smoking gun like... DOS is going to save the day. Incar is going to save the day. Mm-hmm. I think it's, we're going to have to figure it out. We, we're all in the sport together. We all need to figure out what the next step is, but giving them too much, I think, is better than giving them not enough. And right now, I know these judges sometimes can't even get the replay that they want or the angle that they want for whatever reason. And that sucks.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it, a lot of it's a balance. I mean, we talked, there, there's discussions about like the, the show run, like how long the show should be, like how, like how do we get through this, how do we, how do we get through this quickly? And it's like that, would it be something where we have two sets of judges and we can do a set of runs and the moment that set of runs is done, those judges work on it, another battle basically gets ready to go. Now we've got these two different sets of judges, you get who you get, or maybe they rotate and mix constantly or something to get that runtime going. I mean, then- It does make sense. But now, now you need to find three more people who are as qualified to make those decisions, which <laughs> exactly. if you ask every person on the live stream, nobody is qualified <laughs> to make those decisions, right? Yeah, well, no one is. Well, this way I look at it too. I would
1: hope that by providing the judges with more, it helps the run of show. The faster. I run. think, we, right. And obviously I, I have no clue the infrastructure and what that actually looks yeah. like from a, a grand scheme of things or from a series side of things. But if we give the judges enough and it's, concise down and we have a proper program that they can buzz through the data quickly and it's presented to them in a manner that makes sense, maybe it can help them make a decision because, man, even right now with how it is, sometimes they watch those replays many, many times, but maybe if they had a little piece of data it might make that decision go quicker instead of watching the same view 10 times and seeing what they see. But man, let's be real. Those guys have the hardest freaking job out there and no no one is envious. No. I, mean, I was going to say, yeah. would, you, would
0: you ever judge? Would you ever jump on that chair? Uh, for formula drift? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Robbie did it. I think, I, I think if the
1: Penske thing falls through, <laughs> I would be interested to <laughs> have a conversation but yeah you, gonna set my goals uh, at the penske
0: deal do you think that perspective is needed because there's been talks of, of getting drivers more information about how these cars operate and like some of the drivers some of the judges have driving experience i mean brian obviously is around drifting constantly and, and sees all levels of it Lontaine drove years and years ago but is also like hyper hyper fixated on every part of judging like I don't know what else he does for fun, right? Um, Exactly. (laughs) But like, (laughs) all in on it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's it's like, and like, do you think that would change the perspective if there was like a driver that's from last season or somebody who's like recently retired, right? Like, let's say Michael, like like Essa. That which also that, fuck that that hurt me deep. That one hit hard. I don't know why because it like, not not that like it shouldn't, but it was one of those like legacy guys where I'm like, damn it, like. Man, I called and congratulated him. Yeah, I said, "Hell, fucking yeah, Mike!
1: Like you're free, dude. Congrats! Like your life can now begin." Uh, And you know that, yeah, I called him and straight up congratulated him. You know, I wasn't like, "Oh man, you're gonna be missed, bro. That sucks." No, I'm like, "Congrats! You can now turn the page." Yep. New chapter starts, new part of your life. Yeah. You're probably going to be under a lot less stress. You're going to have more time with your family. Like, it's probably going to be freaking awesome, yeah. Mike. He's a huge family uh, yeah. guy, too. Like, that's Exactly. Yeah, huge. So, this is what I think. Robbie was a great driver and drove for many years. And I hate to say it, but I don't think that he's the best judge out there. Okay. I've watched Formula Drift Japan and have been like, what the hell is Robbie talking about? Right? Just like every judge. What the hell yeah, is that it, person talking about? What the they're hell? They're always you know? going to
0: make calls like that.
1: Exactly. But it's not like I agree 100% of the time with what Robbie is saying or with what he is seeing and what he's focused on. So I don't think just because you're a driver doesn't qualify you to be a great judge. I think that because <laughs> the drivers actually watch a whole lot less drifting than the fans, the team. Yep the judges right like we don't watch that much drifting so we know what drifting is from this side but it's a big difference and i think pro- robbie probably has taken a lot of time to come around and now get in that judge's mindset that he's probably a little bit he's more inclined to be
0: a judge than he is a driver yeah i would assume because it's, it's a, he, a different way of he's looking kind of at been it. out of the game for I mean, it's been a number of years and i mean he had like and tough last has year changed. yeah the, the sport even in the last three years is completely different than five years ago Totally. Yeah. Where, where do you see it going? Like, where, where do you think drifting is five years from now? Um, I, I had a prediction that, like, we get to the point of, like, every run is a new set of tires. We have single lug, zip on, zip <laughs> off. The pit stop is part of the race. Like, I don't know. We're, we're-
1: <laughs> That's cool. Um, I think I would like to see, like, dream big is yeah. a world championship. That would be, even within five years, I would hope that we can hit Three continents, you know, let's be realistic. I think thinking 18 continents or something silly like that is like probably not realistic in the next five years. But I think that doing something on like three continents would be amazing. And as far as like the technical side of things, I I think that we could potentially start seeing like a, a spec chassis class Ooh. where we have pro-spec, but maybe pro-spec is you buy the chassis and everything's the same. And I know that drifting is all about being different and p- different companies' parts and whatnot, but, you know, maybe it's not pro-spec. Maybe there's just another form of professional drifting in a spec chassis. I think that that would be really cool because mm-hmm. there's lots of other forms of racing that have made it work and it is very exciting. And Most, who knows,
0: it could be more exciting. Almost driving, every other right? type of racing has made it work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It has
1: something, something like that. Yeah. Um and i think that the era of just the most insane we haven't even seen what the most insane cars are yet i think that we all think that these cars are just the absolute pinnacle and they're the best they're the best they've ever been but look where we were 5 years ago and it's crazy to think the the quality of some of these builds is getting higher and higher the drifters are now like the budgets are getting a little bit bigger so the parts being able to buy Buy sicker stuff, you know, not everyone is on a used four-speed circle track gearbox anymore, right? Which was everybody had for so long. And now the majority of the field is on sequentials. And, you know, now 1,000 horse is like a normal thing. Everybody has 900 horse. So it's not silly to think that tire technology improves and, you know, whatever happens with the rules takes the next step where we're now – Looking at 12, 1300 horsepower because the tire technology is there and the chassis, we've been able to develop the chassis. Like, I want a chassis engineer. I want a chassis engineer to fully understand my car and tell me move this arm two millimeters and this will achieve this instant center. Like, I I want that, you know? And I think that if we have that, there's no reason to think that everything is not going to be more. And me, I have a ton of power, and I'm already looking for more. I'm I'm waiting for this to come out from this company and changing this and looking for that, and I, I want 1,200 horsepower right now. So I think that seeing that level of build is is definitely possible
0: on the horizon. Do you think that's like one large OEM away from happening? Like like let's say Ford or something, or like I mean Ford's pretty heavily involved. I mean obviously with the RTR program, but let's say Chevy, who historically hasn't had a huge presence in FD, if if any. Yeah. Um, Chevy comes to you tomorrow and is like, listen, we think this is it. We've got the budget, you know, all these other racing, that's cool. But, like, we're going to take, you know, engineers from from this spot and, and, like, the spec Corvette class and stuff like that, which is, like, you know, uh, it was a Grand Am racing. And it's like, we're going to bring them over and we're going to build you a car. And, like, do you think that's that's what happens? Or do you think well, it'll be I don't know because…
1: Look at, look at the C8R. That's like a Pratt & Miller deal. Right. Right? Yeah. It, it's not Chevy. You don't walk into Chevrolet headquarters in Detroit and they're like, oh, the race shop's around back, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they still kind of outsource the fa- their race program. So, I mean, that that's another dream. Like, what, Penske, Pratt & Miller, they all have these deals with OEMs where, like, they are the factory team. But, yeah, they're not shops around back from Detroit. So, I think that having an OEM step in, like what Vaughn is doing, they, I, I don't know the in, inner workings of what's going on at RTR, yeah. but they're obviously like a Ford team, but then that's such an RTR. Like that is his race team, right? That is not Ford Motorsports. Yeah. That is RTR. And I don't know if we're that, I don't necessarily think that one manufacturer is going to make that difference because we have Toyota, we have Ford, and you still have Papadakis running the Toyota program and Vaughn running the Ford program. And who knows, maybe I'll be running the Chevy program and and that would be awesome. But I don't think that we necessarily need Chevy to step in for me to have 1,200 horsepower with the sickest technology tire with a crew of like five engineers full, fully Devoted to, like, improving mechanical grip by 2% based off of, like, barometric pressure and temperature. Like, I think that that can be achieved, you know, within the next five years just on our own. But that's not to say I haven't been knocking on Chevy's door (laughs) and… trying like not just knocking on the door but like pick it you know every freaking thing i'm holding the sign out yeah. there I'm, I'm trying to trying to get in as best i possibly
0: can and and may just make them aware of what i have going on well let me know i literally live across from detroit like i can see detroit from my porch <laughs> so like if you are you know out on the street trying to with your sign let me know like pick it you'll come with me yeah yeah i mean i'll at least give you somewhere to stay or make you a yeah, yeah. hot <laughs> meal or something but no uh-huh. I, I i i agree i do think it It really, like any type of racing, it just comes down to money. Like, I, you know, you you hope with like something like a big, you know, NOS or Monster, any of these like Pepsi, Coke level brands, where it's like, I just want one of them to dump a bunch of cash in to beat like, like an obscene amount of money. Like, I mean, something that's, that is, you know, in the millions right, right, and uh, like I, I think a lot of FD fans would be surprised as to like the budgets where like guys are hovering in the I would state most of them are still sub two hundred thousand and a lot more than you think are at like the sub a hundred thousand dollar range for an yep. entire season, which is yep. you know that's gonna get you like ten laps with a sixteen by nine logo in NASCAR like that's all that's gonna get you <laughs> right yeah exactly so yep. all it all it would take is a Penske, To be like, hey, you know what? We're good here. We're good here. Or an Andretti, right? Andretti, like, doesn't get their F1 bid. And they're like, we're going to FD. Screw it.
1: Yeah, we're We're, going to FD. We're just going to roll
0: up with six rigs. We're going to take over the entire parking lot. We're going to have, you know, like you said, suspension dynamics on the go. Cars up on a hoist that's built right into the side of the rig. Like, that's what I hope. Because I know all it's going to take is one of those companies to do it for another Because it's so competitive, they're going to do it, and then somebody else going to be like, "Well, hang on, why is Andretti there? What do they know that we don't know?" And then yep. then they look at the demographics report and go, "Oh, holy shit, we're losing entire fan base from indie yeah. and they're all coming to FD, and it's yep. it's a hundredth of the price." Like, anyways, I'm on my high horse right it's now. It's
1: tough because <laughs> I mean, they've done. Like, didn't Andretti go, or some indie team went and did American Rallycross, and they invested so much and built the team up, and then it was like a blip and it was gone. Oh, we're not doing that series anymore. Sorry guys. Well, I mean the whole American
0: rally crossing is a whole other can of worms, but just the whole rally thing has been a bit of a can of worms. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. I
1: don't know. I just, I think that's, I'm hoping that I can be that guy that Chevy's like, all right, Matt. Yeah, you are, you are doing the damn thing and you are doing it right. Like let's invest in your
0: program and build up the infrastructure and see where it takes me for sure. Yeah. I just, I think, I mean, you look at the demographics, you look at those reports, you look at those reports, you know, the exact report I'm talking about. And it's so hard for, for me to look at that and be like, how is a large company not jumping all over this? It's an old boys club, man. It's the same people,
1: right? We You were talking about, there's a new generation, right? Like we're second generation, yeah. but you still have these guys who are, in that it might be two generations before those people who see those values see our value, right? Yeah. Like it might we're talking young kids who are the biggest fans of us right now. You know, a 25-year-old kid doesn't have a senior role in General Motors enough to call the shots. Just not yet. Yeah. But you know, 10 years,
0: 15 years, yeah, of course. Those those people are gonna be in those positions, but right now they're not. So you it's just you think it really boils down. I mean, obviously it's more than that, but like that. That's a key factor is like the people who like this sport are still working on the factory floor. They're still, you know, maybe they're yeah. maintaining the equipment, but they're not, there's no C-suite. There's no exec. There's no corner yeah. office yet, right? <laughs> I don't think so because the
1: people in those positions, and of course, this is generalizing, yeah, right? Yeah, like, I know, I know. Super generalizing. We're super
0: hypothetical right now.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. but th- those those people have been doing the same motorsports programs for a lot of years. And the guy before them had those practices in and built into the budget. So they kind of just renew the contract yeah. and think, right, they inherit it and move on. So it's it's going to take something special. I mean, it was something probably very special for somebody at Toyota to be like, yep, yeah. Yeah, we're going to do this. You know, that's something very special. Who knows? Maybe somebody who has their head screwed on, right? Or somebody who inherited the position that just so happened to be an FD fan from day one, you know?
0: I yeah, don't know. I hope so. I really do. So if anybody here is listening and their dad's like an executive or CEO or something, I mean, just like hit us up. Just like quick hit phone up, call. <laughs> yeah, I'll hide my phone number somewhere in this video and just like give me a call. Figure yeah, something. But, exactly. Cool. Give us a call. Yeah, just we'll make not, it happen. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. quick Zoom meeting. Nothing. Nothing serious. <laughs> uh, cool, dude. I, thank you for doing this. Um anything else you want to close on, anything. I mean, where what I mean, the video series, all the stuff you're doing right now on TikTok is is great. I'm glad you're. Making some pushes there. The reels videos have been good. The updates—that's my it. wife. She's she's a very ah. into TikTok, and she was like, "You gotta
1: have it. You, you have gotta to. have it. You, you gotta have, have to. it." Yeah, yeah. And she has, you gotta do this stupid videos with this, and I'm like, "All right, I, I will do it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. I, it was, but you know, she's right. Um, people are pumped that I have content on there for sure, and I need to just be better. It's another thing, right? Like it's another, it's another thing. thing that I send Brandon that I film separately from TikTok. I'm really. Pushing like YouTube a little bit more now because I started my uh, separate from frenemies. I have my own YouTube channel where I'm rebuilding the Corvette. There's a whole build series on there. Um, There'll be more content like throughout the season. Me just being me. Uh, It's going to be a little bit different because uh, now Odie and I are not like the exact driving the exact same car with the same tire with the same sponsors with the same everything. So I'm going to try to focus a little bit more on myself and what I have going on in the background and build up my own personal channel. I'm a big Instagram user, so if you guys ever have any questions, and I love this. When people just say something stupid, uh, maybe I don't reply. Yeah. But if you have a question and you're actually like not sure about something and I know about it, I'm the first guy to answer. <laughs> I read them all. I go through them, and I answer the questions. So feel free. Hit me up. Let me know if you guys have any questions or if you're going to be to the rounds. Come come by. Say what's up. Um Something pretty cool. We're going to be doing. I partnered with Lean Customs, okay, and we're actually going to be doing because they do all the pins for FD, mm-hmm. and we're going to be doing like a, a collectible comm- commemorative pin, probably for each round or at least some of the the big special rounds. So there's going to be a ton of like cool special pins, and that's going to be kind of like part of the FD merch because they they do a bunch of stuff with them. So I'm very very happy about that, and that's going to be something special. Super small batch. Get it at the event only. So. This is the the message to you people out there, the fans out there, like if you were thinking about going to an event, I but not sure, this is this is going to be one hell of a year. Oh, you know, it's- FD is going to do something special. There's no doubt in my mind that there's going to be fireworks show. I mean, 20th anniversary for a reason. And to kind of celebrate that, we're teaming up and we're going to do a lot of stuff that you can only get at the event. So nice. make sure you come out, come say what's up. I'll be around. And if I'm not, you know, just yell at me. I'm probably taking a nap or something in the trailer. <laughs> I have a, I'll, i'm gonna i'm gonna catch you on that one day i'm just gonna come up and start banging <laughs> on the door i will be asleep taking a nap between top 32 and top 16 it is guaranteed <laughs>
0: good to know hey we're gonna be trying to do these podcasts during that break at some point and like you may get scheduled so a reschedule huh right, yeah i'll have to I'll get you good. got a lot of drivers to go through man you got your work cut out dude for you. it's been wild it has been yeah. wild. And I love all of you guys. I love all these drivers, but getting a hold of people and getting people arranged in the preseason while everyone's got sponsorship and build stuff and all that has Ugh. been I have a spread, I have a huge spreadsheet of like all of this. So it's been great. Hopefully I wasn't too hard to get a hold of. You have been one of the <laughs> easiest. I didn't have to wake good. up at five in the morning to talk to you. So good. Yeah, that was good. Cool. Well, thank you again, everybody, for listening. Uh, really, really appreciate this. Love to know what you guys think of the episodes. You know, comment, share, all that stuff. Get the info out there. If there's stuff you guys want to hear, stuff you want to know that we didn't cover in this one, maybe we'll get Matt back on, get him in like a a pre-show thing, a quick 15-minute touch base, maybe after all the announcements. I don't know. We'll we'll do something, but... Have me back on. I I enjoy doing these things for sure. Yeah.
1: Um, I've done a couple of podcasts now, which is like new and and... I'm, I'm getting into it. I, I listen to my, like, motocross podcast, okay. and I'm, like, I'm getting into it. So, yeah, please let me know, and if you guys have questions and you need some things to be addressed, hit us up. I'd be happy to talk. Sick. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, everybody, yeah, guys.